0: are now about to take a journey with professional advisors Ken Smith and Ethan Broga on Empirical Investing Radio. To connect with Empirical Investing Radio, please call 1-866-472-5790. Fasten your seatbelts. You're going to need them. Just because the hosts have a sense of humor does not mean their advice won't change your life.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to Empirical Investing Radio with your Hosts, Ken Smith, myself, and Ethan Broga, sitting next to me. Hello, Ethan. Hey, Ken. We are both certified financial planners, each with a master's degree in financial analysis for me and financial planning for Ethan, and uh, decades, uh, over decades of combined experience providing investment advice to individuals and financial planning guidance. This show is designed to do that very thing help you make a lifetime of prudent financial decisions, smart decisions. And uh, today, if you want to call in during the show, um, go ahead and give us a call at 866-472-5790. I'm sorry,
2: did I see a niner in there?
1: It's a niner zero. Nine or... Great. Um, yeah, if you, want to, if you want to do that, uh, give us a buzz. <laughs> and, uh, you know,
2: Ethan, if they want to shoot an email during the show... Yeah, I think they should. I know, uh, Frank, uh, we had one loyal listener uh, emailing us uh, a couple times over the last few weeks. Uh, Frank. Yeah, uh, Frank the Tank. I haven't heard from him in a, in a couple of weeks, so I'd love to know if somebody else is out there and uh, is listening to the show. You can reach us there at uh, contact at com. Yeah, type up a, a letter. or Exactly.
1: Whatever you want. If you want to send us uh, just an email to that any time throughout the week, though, for a, pr- a prior or IAOA up-and-coming show or topic, please do so. And uh, today I thought we could start our our financial program with a little update. We haven't done that in a couple weeks with the market. And then uh, progress through uh, a little bit of financial planning discussion. We didn't finish up our discussion about the dynamic retirement income distribution system that uh, we've created in uh, conjunction with your retirement advantage program, how you're helping people... uh, getting near retirement maximize uh, literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases right. uh, by making the right and best choices through retirement and the idea of the retirement income distribution decision is is something that plays along with that and mm-hmm. hey how do i how do i develop a plan to dis- to get my assets to last a lifetime and uh, yet not be too conservative or aggressive in my investments. right? And so matching up a plan, that's what we are experts in and have helped many clients with and continue to do so, and we'd love to help you. So if you want to talk to us on a personal level, anywhere you are in the country, we can help you. Give us a call, and you can call our firm at Empirical. The 800 number is one eight hundred nine two three four three zero seven. 923 4307 if you want to call the company. And uh, you feel free to ask for Ethan or Ken. And uh, after we talk about all of that, I thought we could talk a little bit about, uh, I love reading uh, our favorite author and uh, and uh, what you would call him, uh, besides an uh, author and uh, investor, Larry Swedrill. He He had a couple of really interesting blogs about why you shouldn't load up on Apple and Facebook. So if you're out there and you're thinking about should I own Apple stock, or should I be buying um, Facebook? Um, he, he has an interesting uh, discussion about that. We talked a little bit about that mm-hmm. several shows ago about the Facebook IPO, but right. I think it'd be interesting to revisit his his blog. Sure. So, uh, anything else, Ethan? Before we dive into the
2: yeah, I'm pretty sure we're not going to have enough time to cover all these great topics. Today, I don't so. know if there'll be enough time. <laughs> Maybe. We'll just start out with, start with one and see how, how far we get here. Okay. Do you want to lead us through the market update, Ken? Yeah, let's do it. I think it sounds good.
1: Um, let me get uh Should we get down to the floor on this one?
2: Yeah, I like it down there better. It's a little more exciting. Uh, uh, all righty then. All righty then. I was on the other night. I was
1: watching. Okay, let's get down in there. We're in the mix. That's what I like to do. Dow Jones uh, today, Ethan. um, Another positive day in the market with the Dow closing uh, up about 113 points. close at 13,204. Right. Um, S&P 500 is up a little over nine points. About six-tenths of a percent for the day. Um, On the S&P, you got the uh, the NASDAQ uh, up about the same about 0.69% for the day.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, if you... Uh, oh, hey, we had to step in for a second. Hold on. Okay, all right, all right. Um, but, uh, all right. where was I? Okay, and uh, for, the, for, the, uh, for the week, Ethan, yeah. the Dow, since our last uh, show, is up about 1.86%. S&P's up 1.67%. For the last rolling 12-month period, we are up uh, about 4.84% on the Dow, 3.91% on the uh, S&P 500.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: How do you feel about that?
2: Yeah, not terribly surprised. I recall a year ago, uh, we went through some pretty tough times through this period. Yeah, uh, 12 months ago to now, you wouldn't know there's been so much uh, volatility in the marketplace. But obviously, uh, especially last summer in August and September was a pretty pretty tough time for stocks down by 20 percent during that period but uh, it's come back nicely since then
1: you like that don't you
2: well I you like the comeback
1: yes um also if we have time i found an interesting prediction that we can pull out of the vault a frosty beverage from a man ethan broga here that's right Diagnosis. Uh, Diagnosis. Uh, that was on uh um market watch i think and they were interviewing a uh, a pretty uh a pretty famous uh economic uh, writer, cycle writer, and he was talking about, uh, it was March 2nd of 2009, and he was predicting that the market very well could hit 4,000 on the Dow. And we know what happened starting just a few days after that interview, but it'd be fun to play part of that at some point. Yeah, we should. And uh, talk about that and why we, don't, uh, why we don't really put much stock into you know, ridiculous um, short-term market predictions. I like your style there. Indeed. Where are we at on the Treasury, I think, is what you want to know. And I'm about to tell you, Ethan. It's uh, <laughs> 0.83% is the yield. That's down slightly from last week. 10-year uh, Treasury, 1.95%. It's yield maturity, again, slightly down from last year, uh, week. Wow. We've got uh, five-year municipals on average here, 0.85%. 10 year munis, 1.91%. So, if you're looking at a tax equivalent yield for someone saying a 28% tax bracket, uh, if we were comparing the five and ten, you're looking at 1.18 tax equivalent and 2.65%. Hmm. So, uh, you got yourself a spread there of about uh, 0.17 on the five, uh, the five uh, 0.35 on the five-year muni's um, and 0.7 on the on the uh, ten-year and. Uh, AAA corporate, five year, 1.35%, um, down uh, a little bit from last uh, week, and 10 uh, year, 3.74%. Right now, is the yield of maturity. Uh, it, and we track these is these are the kind of the key interest rates when you're looking at your fixed income portion of your portfolio. And uh, so, still relatively low interest rates, Ethan. Very low interest rates. Yeah. No question uh, about it. Your prime rate's unchanged at three and a quarter percent. One-year CD unchanged, really at about seven tenths of a percent. And uh, if you look at your thirty-year mortgage, three point eight five—that's
2: incredible—down
1: from three point eight eight last week. Wow. Which? What are you going to do? Are you going to run out and load up? Yeah, I should refi. Back up the truck. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Incredible. You know, amazing. So. uh We'll see what happens. Uh, real quick, on the uh, the Treasury Inflation Protected, your your tips. Yep. Um, if you look right now, the five years got a negative yield of negative one point two three. The ten year 0.35. So the five year that's a little less than last week. It was negative one point two five percent. And uh, on your on your ten year Treasury. Um, that's it 's actually an increase in or a decrease in yield from point negative point two five last week to negative point three five this week if these numbers are accurate
2: oh i 'm sure they are
1: that uh, Russell put together here so what 's your break even on the inflation rate there between a nominal treasury and a inflation protected treasury well ethan i 'm glad you asked once again. The uh, the break even then is about two point zero six on the five year, so last last week it was two point
2: zero nine. I was thinking, I just didn't say it. That's all.
1: <laughs> Your ten year it's two point three percent, and last week the break even was two point two two.
2: So explain to me what that break even means, Ken. Oh, I'm glad you asked.
1: What that means is um, the rate in which we would have to ex- with the rate of inflation we would need to experience. So that when your inflation-protected treasury adjusts each year, that the total return you received would equate to buying a regular treasury bond. So if you're buying a uh, five-year inflation-protected uh, treasury, right now, if there was zero inflation, right? Yeah. You'd actually realize a negative yield Correct. of one point, negative 1.23. Uh, versus if you bought a five-year treasury it would be a positive 0.83, right? Uh-huh. So the difference between those two, you say, well, I've, I've got to get at least 1.23 of inflation to make up for the loss. And then on top of that, I need another 0.83 to get even. And so the total of that is 2.06% inflation.
2: So if inflation is 2.06% or higher... Yep. Over the next five years, on average, it'd be better to own the TIP, right? The Treasury Inflation Protected Security? That's right. That's right. Excellent. So
1: whether or not you would stick, stay away from the, the inflation, you wouldn't do it simply because you see a negative yield there. Right. I, I don't want our listeners to make that mistake. There may be other reasons, you know, and, and maybe... Um, that something about the, the inflation-protected securities we talk about, whether they're overpriced or underpriced relative to historical valuations. But it wouldn't simply be because, hey, they have a negative uh, yield, current yield right now. You sure. see what I'm saying? I do. That makes sense. So it's, if you feel it's very reasonable that we would experience that kind of inflation rate over 10 years, that we'll see 2.3% or better, um, It might be worth the insurance premium of owning that treasure, at least a portion of it in your portfolio. So maybe it's not all inflation-protected. In our our bond portfolios, we diversify in nominal and inflation-protected securities. Right. So we're never going to get caught with one that is completely under or overvalued. And at any rate, if we didn't make any special adjustments, right, right? so, what else can I tell you? Gold uh, sixteen fifty seven an ounce, and that's down from uh, from last week. Mm-hmm. It was up sixteen seventy three an ounce, and uh, crude oil is down also, one hundred nineteen point seven eight uh, barrel versus one twenty one point seven two. Wow! And the gas is down slightly, on average three three dollars and eighty three cents. Uh huh. Although I know that doesn't affect you because of your hybrid Camry.
2: You know, it's interesting you mentioned that, Ken. Uh, Just last week, I usually get, when I fill up on the tank, I usually get uh, just the regular unleaded, you know? Yeah. The 87 octane. Sure. Um,
1: But now you're looking for something maybe that little extra.
2: I tried the premium this last month, this last week, rather. Wow. You are? uh, Is that a sign of consumer confidence? No, it isn't. I had previously heard a uh, uh, story from some person. I forget. I think it was on, on the radio. Saying that what things you could do to get better <clears throat> gas mileage. Well, one of those things, guess what, is buying premium gasoline. Come on. So uh, I was wondering, as I was going to do my own Was goals, this a representative of one of the petroleum it companies? It, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, it was just some, uh, some scientists who had put together some, some ideas about how to get more fuel efficiency. Um, there were other ideas. One of them was the, buying the premium. So I'm running my own little experiment. I'm going to see if I actually do get better gas mileage out of my tank of gas using my hybrid of course. Well, that will be interesting. Let me know. I will let you know. I,
1: I think that would be a financial decision our consumer our, uh, our listeners would be interested in.
2: In fact, I, I have to do it more than one time, ta- up to do more than one tank of, get, course, you know, of course. A, a good sample. It
1: would never work the first first time around, right? It might, might not. But
2: I want to uh, have more than one one uh, body of evidence to you need decision. support the decision you have a large
1: enough sample. Exactly. Oh. Well, that would be interesting. What was this theory that the higher octane uh, it burns more
2: efficiently? You get more more gas mileage out of per, per gallon. Huh? So less less is wasted, in other
1: words. So there's probably a break-even number in the disparity, right, between the gas the prices. Yeah, and right.
2: the extra efficiency, you know, if you could calculate that out, I'll have to put my my uh, my team on that.
1: Get your people on that. Exactly, Pronto. <laughs> interesting. Interesting.
2: Okay. Well.
1: Where do you want to take it from here, Ethan? You wanna let's let's take a a, a a detour here into financial planning. Let me get off the uh floor here. Hey, is, that, is that Bruce Jenner?
2: Hey Bruce. Good What's
1: Bruce you. doing in here again? I haven't seen him for a little while. Okay. We we uh close the door here. They're always calling me up, they want me to ring the bell or whatever. I'm not one of these Wall Street fat cats, no, so I sure. don't agree to do that kind of stuff. No, you don't, I don't like it. Um I'm all about harnessing the power of capital markets to get our listeners and our clients where they need to go financially, right? But uh, cap, no corporate fat cat am I. Indeed. <laughs> so anyway, financial planning topic. We've been talking about this retirement stuff, as I call it. And um, <laughs> did you coin the phrase yourself? <laughs> retirement stuff. Retirement stuff. And yeah. one of your ideas. I think we only just have a, a minute or two here. Um, so maybe we can start this discussion and then we'll take a quick break and then come back and
2: sure.
1: deep dive in it, like a deep sea diver. Um, Roth conversions is part of your retirement advantage program. Yes. And the way that you coordinate that um, with the Social Security decision and your decision to retire between that those those uh, critical years prior to age 70 and a half where you need to make Required minimum distributions, right? And we'll kind of resummarize some of this when we come back. But part of that strategy, as you're doing Roth conversions, is the uh, is the uh, using the tool that's called Roth recharacterizations. Yeah, sure. Right. I want to talk about that for a few minutes and explain how that works. And I know you've been doing some of that. Um, Correct. As a part of your conversion strategy with yeah. clients. Yeah, sure. So. Simon, what do we have here? Two minutes. Okay, well, let's start then. Yeah, we can start. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what it is.
2: You know, yeah, Roth recharacterization. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, Roth for conversion. Let's take a step back. Is the idea of moving money from your tax deferred account. Say you have a tax deferred IRA or a tax deferred four hundred one k, moving a portion of that account of those monies into a Roth IRA. Um, the the time of conversion, you are on the hook for some tax. So whatever tax bracket you're in, you're going to pay income tax on the conversion itself. But then the, the benefit is the rest of the growth is tax-free forever. Um, and you're not subject to… Forever? Well, you know, forever. Wow. As far as we know. That's what the rules say so far. It's a long time. It is a mighty long time. Um, yeah, where was I? The uh, Sorry. It's tax-free forever. Yeah, tax-free. Oh, yeah. And it isn't subject to required minimum distributions, which is nice. So um, that's your RMD. Yeah, at age half, and a half, you're required to take money out of your traditional or 401k, traditional IRA or 401k, any tax deferred account, uh, and then pay tax. But with a Roth IRA, there are no such, you know, no such rules. You can leave it in there as long as you want. So that's a big benefit, obviously. Okay, so you've laid that out. We're going to have to take a break here in a few seconds. So um... all right, well, we can quickly get to the the, the recharacterization part. Okay, which is if you decide, hey, that wasn't a good idea. Um, I, the thing I converted to my Roth IRA didn't do very well or didn't perform very well. Uh, it went down in value over the period of time I'm looking at. You can do what's called a recharacterization, actually put it back to where it came from. All right. Well, hold
1: that thought. We'll pick up right there when we get back from the break. Thank you.
0: business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network
3: are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm my name is simon liu portfolio manager with empirical wealth management inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307 that's 1-800-923-4307 Or visit our website at EmpiricalFS.com. That's E-M-P-I-R-I-C-A-L-F-S.com. Our mission at Empirical is to provide clients with the most effective, unbiased investment and financial planning advice available. Empirical is changing the way investment advice is delivered by striving to put our clients' interests first. Call us now to get started with a no-cost, no-obligation discovery process. The number again is 1-800-923-4307. Or you can begin this process on our website at EmpiricalFS.com. Tune into
0: the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life. And the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
2: Do you want to know what's really going on these days?
0: each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific time. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
2: Okay, we're back. Uh, Empirical Investing Radio, your co-host, uh, Ethan Broga, alongside Ken Smith. Um, we are just discussing a couple things about IRA accounts and Roth IRAs, and we're going to get into what uh, recharacterization is. Uh, but before we do, maybe uh, just a little reminder that uh, this is a live show, and if you'd like to have, uh, give us a call and ask us a question, uh, either on topic or off topic, it would be okay with us. Feel free to do so. The number is 866-472-5790. And of course, you can reach us via email at any time at contact at empiradio.com. So, uh, yeah, Ken, right before the break, we're just talking about um, uh, Roth recharacterizations. Yeah. And I was just explaining before the break that uh, uh, what a Roth conversion is. First of all, and then if things don't work out, what can you do to, uh, to put that money back into your IRA? Um, and again, the advantages is, if you if you change your mind, let's say again you in your in this example, I was saying if you bought uh, bought a stock and the stock if you put it in the IRA account, didn't do very well, say it was negative returns, um, let's say the market went down or just the stock in general didn't, do, didn't perform well uh, over the subsequent period of time, you have an opportunity to undo that initial conversion, and that's called a recharacterization. And basically it means that you won't pay tax on something now that is worth less than it was when you converted it, which is nice to avoid if you can. Uh, the rule is if the year in which you uh, do the conversion, you actually have until – the the extended tax filing deadline uh, of that year to undo the conversion. So you actually have a long period of time. So let's say January 1st rolls around and you want to convert some assets. Uh, You convert whatever it is, 100 shares of stock. Um, You actually have until October 15th of the year following to keep that conversion or not. So you have a long, long period of time to to see what happens with that particular position.
1: So Um, let me make sure I understand. It's 2011, January of 2011. We're going back in time in your, in your uh, hot tub time machine here. <laughs> and um, All right. It's, it's January of 2011. You say, hey, I'm gonna, I've had my crack... Financial advisor, my financial guru ethan bro has said hey i should I should go ahead and convert he 's looked at my tax return and my tax situation, and he says, Hey, in the long term, this might be a great strategy sure let 's convert ten thousand dollars now we would never hold a single stock. I just want to make sure everybody on listening is' clearly, I was trying to make clear, the clear about that yeah, but let 's say it 's a hundred ten thousand dollars of your portion of your incredibly globally diversified portfolio <laughs> even better example. your high octane." Uh, a globally diversified portfolio, and uh, that's January one, two thousand eleven. So now, um, when would I do the recharacterization if I'm following the timeline? So, say June of two thousand eleven. Now we're just a, six months, at the end of June, right? We're into this, and my ten thousand uh, dollar global portfolio that I converted is now down to eight thousand because the market went down.
2: Yeah, do you yeah. do it then? Do you? Re- uh, I wouldn't do it then. Hold your fire. That's right. No, you could. Okay. Uh, you could, but you, the idea with a Roth conversion is Talk to, to me. over time, try to put as much money into a Roth as you can. So it, isn't, it wouldn't be great just for a very short period of time. Hey, my, the, my mutual fund, my globally diversified mutual fund that I own, went down in value over the last six months. It's now June or July, middle of the year, and I converted in January. You, you would want to give it a little more time to work out. Um, so if you were – you at least would want to wait until November.
1: So now we're into November of 2011. Right,
2: and if it's down, if it's down, you're staring down the barrel of a market crisis. Right, if your portfolio is down, say a substantial amount, maybe it's, uh, you know, your example was only was down 20%. That's a reasonable amount. You know, you're down 20%. You're going to pay tax on 10,000 bucks for something that currently is only worth 8,000 dollars. So you'll pay tax on that, the difference there, basically, okay. unnecessarily if you if you kept the conversion. Um, so wait, in that wait, case, wait, let's
1: back up again. Uh-huh. It's November. We're talking, right? Yeah, November. And you are saying, "Hey, now it's it's we're down to eight
2: thousand dollars." Right. You are saying now is when I pulled the trigger. Yeah. The reason is this. Okay. Uh, Because if you had done it earlier in the year, you have to wait the longer of the next calendar year or thirty days. Okay. uh, Before you can do it again. Before you can do what again? Convert again. Okay. So normally, you don't just do in in a life in a in a in a planning sense a Roth conversion isn't something you would only do one time. I mean, you may only do it one time, but ideally, if you're planning out your retirement, you have only a, a, a period of years to do Roth conversions. But, you know, if you're retired at 60, you really have only until age 70 to, to do Roth conversions anyway. So you've got basically 10 years in most cases. Um, so you don't want to just throw away an opportunity to convert assets. So you want to do it carefully. Um, and you want to make sure it, it isn't just a matter of what happens in the short term. It's what happens over the long term, of a, a tax perspective that you're trying to to minimize taxes over your lifetime, not just in any one year. So in your example, though, you would want to give it a little more time to figure out if you want to keep the Roth conversion or not, in my view. So a little more time than November? Uh, you could even. You could wait. Now, the only issue is this. Let's say you, you, you filed your taxes in April, uh, in April 15th, the following year, 2012, yeah. and you did not convert, or rather, re- you did not recharacterize. So you, the asset went down in value, but you kept the conversion because you want to keep money in your IRA. Yeah. Well, you still have another, another many months until October of, the, of 2012 to actually keep the conversion or not. That's your final deadline.
1: So, Ian, if you, if you don't file a tax extension, you file your return in, in April, like on time in April, you still have till October. Yeah,
2: you can, file, uh, you can file an amended return.
1: Uh-huh. So now we're in October of 2012. Yeah. I converted $10,000 in January of 2011. Right. I... Didn't recharacterize it, and now I'm sitting in October of 2012, and now it's worth six thousand dollars.
2: Yep. Then I would then I would un- uh, recharacterize it. Then I would file a minute return, and recharacterize that con- that conversion.
1: Okay. So if you did do that, how do you get your Roth conversion done for 2011?
2: You have to file an amended. Oh, well, in this case, you wouldn't. Okay.
1: So right. let's talk about that. The merits. Does that? To me, that doesn't seem like a great idea. Then. This isn't the best idea. Here's an alternative yeah. strategy. Again, the idea is no
2: good. It's it's if it isn't the worst thing you could do.
1: Well, particularly when you're talking about the globally diversified portfolios that we run. Uh-huh. So in both downturns of the market, they've skyrocketed back up yeah. to where they were, and we expect that to happen when you own a globally. Di- if you own a stock that goes out of business, that's different, right? Sure. I own one stock; it went out of business should i recharacterize or not or, um i'm not quite sure how you do that if it goes to zero what do you what do you how are you re- can you do that then you're recharacterizing it and so that it never happens so you don't pay tax on it then There's there must like,
2: be a way to do that Bill. Yeah, I'm assuming I'm that positive on
1: a, on a zero security that, that would work out but if you're assuming that yeah this is going to go back at some point so i'm not making a permanent um law you know what i mean i'm, I'm not paying taxes at ten thousand on something that'll permanently stay down at six thousand. That's correct, right? Yeah, you, that's right. You, you, it's a foregone conclusion. If you're diversified properly, that at some point you expect—I'm not saying anyone can guarantee anything—but you yeah. expect that, hey, uh, if I own every stock in the world, that kind of portfolio, it'll eventually come back. At least historically, it always has. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so what am I really doing here? I think I'm trying to take advantage of some short-term tax codes. The tax code that takes do some short-term tax arbitraging here. Yes. Um, but really, if you said, hey, am I doing it because I think this will never come back, those are those are different stories depending on what you're actually investing in. Right. Um, and in our, the way we invest, that wouldn't be the reason why you would do it. Right? right. You're doing it because you think, hey, we can take advantage of some short-term market swing. Um, but I, coming back to the question about, if you wait till October of 2012, you've missed the opportunity. If you do recharacterize it, to make a 2011 Roth conversion, correct. And okay, so to do that, if you were doing the planning in accordance with your program, uh-huh. and you'd said, hey, what well, part of this thing is we're going to convert between ten and thirty thousand dollars of Roth a year. Right, and then you miss an entire year's because you're trying to save a small amount. Right, because the market did. Would that be
2: advisable? Yeah, no. It's one of those things. If it's you have to have a client a discussion with with the person that you're you're doing this with. Yeah, being down twenty percent because we we own all stocks in the Roth because you purposely put all stocks there. um, You know, not paying tax on two thousand dollars isn't in this case isn't going to make or break. I would prefer to keep the conversion at that point. Um, If if we were down significantly more maybe 30% or something or, or more than that. Here's an alternative strategy, particularly right. if, if you have uh, spouses you're married and have uh, your both spouses have IRA have IRA accounts. Right? Okay, let's talk. So let's in the exact same example, you convert in January, let's say I convert my part of my my IRA in January, convert $10,000. November rolls around and uh, it's down so let's say it's down 30%. All right. You could recharacterize at that point in time. Get the money back into my IRA, not and not pay any tax on my conversion. But my, my spouse also has an IRA, oh boy. which we haven't converted during the year. We can convert some of my spouse's IRA, convert the same amount of money, $10,000, and own the same exact shares, right? Or a higher number of shares for the same amount of money effectively. So we're getting, take it, getting able to take advantage of the market decline recently by converting more shares even though it's, only, it's still worth 10000 bucks. So you're saying the IRS <clears throat> does not preclude you from uh, – though you're filing
1: a joint tax return, right? From saying, hey, I, at the January 1 of 2011, I converted Ethan Zyra um, at some point before the end of the year. Uh-huh. And in this case, we've got to keep this in 2011. Right. Or if we're doing this this year, and we converted January of, of this year. And now we're cruising along if if the market uh, dips before now and, and the end of the year, which would be up until December, right? Uh-huh. Or uh yeah, because December is the fi- is the deadline to convert the first time correct right? oh, okay what you're saying yeah. is you converted ten thousand of your IRA and that's all you did you didn't do any of, of your spouse's roth right now it's down to six thousand bucks because of market decline yeah you go ahead and recharacterize yep so you're not paying tax on ten thousand that's now worth six correct and then what you do is simultaneously so that there's no market you don't miss any market movement. You convert a full 10000 of the wife's IRA. Bingo. For the spouse. Right. Ba-ba-ba-bingo. And you're saying that's perfectly legal and legitimate. Yeah, that's a good deal. Um, okay.
2: That way you fully utilize 2011 for the uh-huh. Roth conversion. Mm-hmm. And you could still do a full conversion in, guess what, a couple mm-hmm. more months because pretty soon it will be January. And you could do another conversion. You can convert until the cows uh, – <laughs> <laughs> Until the cows come uh, home. Something like that.
1: Hey, they're coming in right now. That's right.
2: That's right.
3: So
1: obviously that works out pretty well
2: in that
3: situation.
1: <laughs> okay. Well let me ask you another question then. All right. Uh is there some strategy with, uh between let's say that your wife's IRA only had ten thousand in it. Uh-huh. Um and so in terms of, hey, why are we converting in the first place? Because someday there's going to be these required minimum distributions, right, out of a out of a big, juicy pre-tax IRA. But your IRA was the million-dollar IRA, just as for wild
2: okay. you know,
1: illustration. Yep. Um, so is there a difference between, hey, really the 10000 um, that we're trying to convert which – is there any difference to you economically or is it, hey, they're all – 10000 is going to grow to what it's going to grow in either account and they're both going to have to make those required unless there's different age differences. yeah. Right? Talk well, to me. Well, clearly Talk
2: the a person with the, – the spouse with a smaller IRA, in this case, only had, the, my wife only had $10,000 in her IRA. Uh, the, the value of, 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 of avoiding future required minimum distributions would be diminished clearly because it isn't a lot of money. Relative to the total, yeah, but I it's mean, still a million
1: bucks sitting there compounding. Yeah,
2: that's a bigger, bigger tell Although it's problem.
1: what you're getting out of it that's the difference. Yeah, I, I would assume so.
2: So I would still do it in this case. I think that's any money, anytime you can take advantage of a Roth conversion. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's probably at least worth analyzing. The real difference depends on the tax brackets you expect to be in in the future relative to what you're going to pay today. Right. That's really the really where really the rubber meets the road. So if we're converting ten thousand bucks and really paying ten percent tax. You know, I might be inclined to keep the Roth conversion as it was to begin with. You know, if I'm, if I'm paying 35% tax, well, then I, I probably would uh, want to re- recharacterize. Does that make sense? Yeah, because you're,
1: you're typically not making a lot of recommendations for people to convert at 35% rates. It's right? not very
2: often, but yeah. there are situations which it could arise, right?
1: That might be you, a you situation. Could
2: have, you could have a client who has, a, uh, say, $200,000 in an IRA account and have a $10 million taxable account. They're never going to be in a lower tax bracket than they are today. You know, uh, for example, if all the income of that a ten million dollar portfolio in a taxable account would spin off. Oh, okay. All right. Plus, they get Social Security later. Yeah, well, maybe it worth, it's worth paying whatever tax we're going to pay now because guess what? In, in in at age seventy, they're not going to be in a lower tax bracket.
1: Yeah, okay. So
2: in that situation, maybe it's worthwhile. You know, but it's it's obviously something you have to figure out each individual one at a time. something that there's no blanket statements out there. Otherwise, if it's a single person or this spouse
1: doesn't have. Uh, Anything in a Roth. Right. And we're coming back to the original announcement story. If you wait until October of 2012 from a conversion that you did back in January 1, you've already established, hey, if you do that, you've just lost your conversion for 2011. So now, if the goal was to to do 10,011 and Uh 10,012 based on the income, well, now we're going to have to do 20 grand all in one year to get to the same amount converted. Because we've lost the opportunity. Now, here's another question. That's true, I suppose. What happens if, under your uh, close watch, you're saying, "Hey, let's wait," and all of a sudden the market shoots back up, and now that you've you've, uh, or let's say you've recharacterized. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2011, because you have to, right, if you want to keep get the conversion back in 2011. So, let's say January, I did the conversion. Okay. Now. I'm in November. Would you say you have 30 days? or
2: So longer of 30 days or the next calendar year. So you'd do it late November. Because okay. you, want, you want to minimize exactly what, the point you're, you're about to make. Uh, you want to minimize the time out of the market because if you could – in a matter of weeks, the market can turn around sharply. So that's why I didn't suggest you can re- recharacterize in, in June because then you have to wait six months before you can re- you can convert again. And anything can happen in six months.
1: Yeah, so so, so if it's November and I'm down to 6000 bucks, and then –
2: I'm sitting out of the market. <clears throat> I can't reconvert. Um, the same IRA. The same IRA. Uh, the same person can't, re- can't reconvert that same calendar year. Okay.
1: So um, I have th- – but I, if I do it in November 30th, I can do it before the end of the year. Is that what you're saying?
2: No, no, I can't. you got to wait the longer of. The I mean uh, what? If it's November 30th, you can't do it until ne- next January.
1: So what date can you do it then to do it in the same year? You can't do it the same year. Oh, you can't. You got to wait the whole It's the year. longer up. longer of exactly. So you, no matter what you're waiting till the next calendar year Bingo. or if I did it on December 31st, I can't do it January 1, I got to do it at the end of January. Bingo, you got it. And it's that period that you would say um I might oh, it looks like we got to take a quick break here. Oh, all right. I think I'm hearing some groovy tunes. Uh <laughs> We'll take a quick break and come back here. We're talking about Roth recharacterizations. Sounds good. Thanks.
0: The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. We spend 70% of our week in the office. What is the difference between enjoying your job and enduring it? The number one motivator is a positive work environment, and that's where Real Recognition Radio comes in. Join your hosts, Roy Saunderson and S. Max Brown, as they take a look at the positive factors of the workplace, such as employee rewards, recognition, incentives, and much more. Tune in to Real Recognition Radio, Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel.
3: Are you an individual investor looking for a trusted financial advisor? Or are you a financial professional looking to connect with a world-class wealth management firm? My name is Simon Liu, portfolio manager with Empirical Wealth Management, inviting you to contact us at 1-800-923-4307. That's 1-800-923-4307. Or visit our website at empiricalfs.com. That's empiricalf dot com. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices
0: receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to turning hard times into good times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and co-host Ethan Broga. To call into the program with a question or comment, please dial 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to contact at empiradio.com. Now, back to Ken and Ethan.
1: All right, welcome back to Empirical Investing Radio. This is Ken Smith. Certified Financial Planner and your host of the show with Ethan Broga. Today we are talking about Roth conversions and the, uh, more specifically, ability to do a what's called a Roth recharacterization. And I uh, was really grilling Ethan here about some of the details. Because uh, I want, if you're out there and you, you're, you're thinking about this, and most of us have some form of traditional IRA, um, particularly those who are currently at an age of... Fifty or sixty that are getting close to those that retirement right. period. Most of you have probably accumulated some money in a traditional IRA or it's sitting in a four hundred one k. And uh, before we continue this, Ethan, if you have any questions about this topic, or uh, you want us to you know expand beyond today's show or talk to you, uh, if you have specific uh, specific situation that you want us to analyze and talk about on the show. Go ahead and call us at 866-472-5790 during the show. Um, during the rest of the week, if you want to call us in the office, you can call us at 1-800-923-4307. Or just shoot an email with some of the details to contact at com. That's contact at com. And so, Ethan, yeah. jumping back into this. Okay. Uh, what we, we I was kind of grilling you about here was the mechanics of how these recharacterization, the recharacterizations can be done and the different types of strategies. You talked about the spouse idea, which really would enable you to avoid some of the time uh, period restrictions. Sure. Going in, I really wanted to crystallize the way that this time thing worked. And I, if, I had to, if I can resummarize this here, what you are saying is that in a particular year, um, and now let's just fast forward to 2012 because we'll, we'll live in the now, in the present here. <laughs> if you're sitting there and you've got a traditional IRA um, and you convert today, $10,000 is, is just an example. You you cannot, uh, re, if you recharacterize that, so say we get to the end of the year and the market's down substantially, you will not be able to uh, re. Reconvert for 2012. You will have lost the opportunity opportunity to. Bingo. Now, how does that work when theoretically, could I convert um, throughout the year? Yes. Talk to me. You can.
2: You can do multiple conversions. You could do 3,000 a month. Till the cows come home again? Whatever number you want to do, you can always convert. Um,
1: So. How, how do they stop you from converting? Let's say you did ten thousand, and then you're like, "Oh, geez, I want to recharacterize that." But I was going to convert another t- twenty or thirty in the year anyway. Does it does it preclude you at the, at the, from
2: doing more? No, no. You, you can convert if you don't. Un- you can only un- once you recharacterize, it, you can't convert anymore.
1: But can you recharacterize a partial? So let's say throughout the year, every month, I did a conversion. Uh huh january february march every and i did say a thousand dollars every month um, but my very first thousand dollars went down eighty percent because the market dropped <laughs> right i um or I loaded, straight, I
3: loaded i loaded up straight on example.
1: facebook stock right and it didn't it didn't pan out the way i was hoping right so i lost eighty percent of my investment because someone came out with a you know another one called grill book or something instead of facebook <laughs> and uh, it was a huge hit so anyway um if you did that, can you at the end of that? Whenever you're between uh, October of the next year, when you have to recharacterize, can you say, "Well, I only I I, can, I converted in 2012, twelve thousand dollars, a thousand a month." Okay. I'd like to only recharacterize a thousand bucks of that, and yeah. I'd like it to be the bucket that went down
2: the most. Yeah, you know, in that situation, you probably now we're would, splitting hairs. I think we well, it's it's a very detailed question, and I, I believe what next case, what you probably would do. You probably wouldn't recharacterize during the year. You'd be doing it after the fact. So you'd be re- re- recharacterizing a certain amount of money or a specific stock in 2013, the year after. So it's January, January rolls around. You recharacterize a certain position f- that happened in 2012. So you're, you're done. You can't possibly uh, reconvert or convert anymore in 2012 anyways.
1: You know what I mean? But you don't have to, when you recharacterize, you don't have to do an all or not. Correct.
2: That is correct. You don't have to do all or so not.
1: So I could convert 20000 bucks at the beginning of the yep. year. And say, well, I only want to re- uh, recharacterize a thousand of that. Right. You or could do that. five or ten. You could do that. You could do that.
2: Yep. Okay. But you want to do it in the year following, not the year of. So uh, not not during the calendar year 2012. You'd want to do it sometime early 2013, probably.
1: And why is that again?
2: Because once you let's say you did it, you you did it in June. All right. Well, then you couldn't. You can't. Once you recharacterize, you can't convert anymore.
1: Okay. You want to convert? Have all your conversions for 2011 done. Right. And say, hey, I've converted the maximum amount, and I'm willing to un- recharacterize or unconvert up to a certain amount. Um, in this case, because if the market went down. Otherwise, I'll live with keeping it all in. Yeah. Would be a decision you'd have to make.
2: Yeah, and you could, because you're estimating, right? You, normally, you're, when you're converting, you're trying to target a specific tax bracket. And you only know what you know at the beginning of the year. And the end of the year may have a different result. Maybe you earned more this year than you expected. Maybe you had more dividends than you expected from your investments. So potentially, you could have you could be actually be in a higher bracket than you estimated in the beginning part of the year. So yeah, you'd want the ability to recharacterize part of your conversions,
1: which you can do. Well, have. I would think that's more about what the IRS was probably intending than the market. I'm sure that's true. The, I'm the, sure that's a scheme. True. I'd guess. <laughs> but uh, that hey, Jesus, I didn't realize that my, my tax situation was going to look like this, and they give you a chance to recharacterize that.
2: That's my understanding as but well. Yeah.
1: Um, so coming back around here okay. if if I was waiting till October of the following year because if if I conversions that I did in January of 2011 what you told me was I have till October of 2012 this year to recharacterize that conversion um, why would I ever recharacterize then and take the risk of losing a year's contribution anytime before the very end oh, yeah. to, Like just because the market went down, here's why. Okay,
2: yeah. Now you probably wouldn't do it if you're in a a, between sort of the the Goldilocks zone between sixty and seventy with a finite time frame. Classic
1: Goldilocks. If you're forty, if
2: you're forty-five, happen to be retired, yeah. And you have money in your IRA account, and you you converted the IRA in say last year. Well, you have lot a lot of years left to convert. So if okay. you're younger, you may Talk to me if you're younger, it might be okay to give up that year's conversion because you've got lots of years left to choose from if you however if you're retired, if you're it still C- doesn't make any sense well here, here's an example okay so you have a uh, say you're 45 years old let's say you're lucky enough not to have to, ha- to have work you're, you're retired maybe you won the lotto or something right and let's say let's say you have three hundred thousand dollars in an IRA account and it's all stocks because it's vers- invested for the long term um, two thousand and uh, 2011, or rather this year, let's say 2012. This year, we convert the money right now. Well, between now and the end of the year, stocks, stocks go down a ton because all stocks goes down forty percent. Okay. There it would make sense to unconvert to recharacterize that money because you could just convert the next year.
1: What I'm saying is, um, and
2: if, you got lots of years if left. If converting convert. is a good strategy, right? Yeah. What do
1: I'm and I'm not doing trying to do this as some weird scheme here. The idea was, I really would benefit from getting money put into converted into a Roth over the years of my life, right? Yeah, because that decision occurred through the planning. I'm not looking for the market to dip between January of eleven of two thousand one and October, um, and going well. If it dips at all, I'm going to undo this real quick, right? Wouldn't I say? Totally agree. Hey, the real the real thing is that when I get to the deadline, I that's my look period, and I say, hey. Where are we at in in October? Well, when do you have to? You have until October fifteenth, what you said. Yes. To recharacterize for the lab of two thousand and eleven. Right. Why wouldn't I wait until October fifteenth and say, "Well, I put ten grand in. Where is it today? If it's more than the ten, I'm not even going to consider it. Mm-hmm. If it's at the ten, it wouldn't make sense. Right. And if it's somewhere below, I have to make a decision. How low? Yep. But it doesn't make any sense to do it January of 2012, March of 2012, or any other time, because what would I really be accomplishing by getting it back out? I don't get free money at that point. Yeah, I just don't pay tax on it,
2: right? I think I only mentioned that yeah. rather, relative to doing it earlier in the year, prior year. So in your example yeah. of covering $1,000 per month, I was saying, well, it wouldn't you wouldn't do it during the year. You'd wait till sometime after the year. Okay. If the stock you purchased is down 80% in January, you want to get it back into your uh, your traditional IRA, not pay the tax on it for that year before the tax filing deadline occurs. It helps you; it prevents you from filing an amended return, is all it does. Because if you you do it before April fifteenth, you don't got to file an amended return. If you do it after April fifteenth, you got to find have a, some type of other. Well, I guess in the
1: case where you have absolutely zero hope that the thing would ever rebound ever, yeah, then it makes sense to do it so you wouldn't inconvenience yourself on on filing a, an, a, a tax extension, right? But right. if if again in a globally diversified portfolio situation. Yeah. Or even a fund that uh is a component of that that you decided, well, hey, we're going to put this piece in the Roth, uh-huh. the emerging markets piece or whatever sure. it is. And, and by the time March 9th of 2009 occurred, you know, the emerging market stuff was down 80%. Um depending on what you were doing there. Yeah. But by the by the end of the next 18 uh, 12 months or whatever, it was already up, you know, 80 or 90%. Right. Um, so it? I'm with you. I, yeah. I,
2: I'm in agreement with what you're saying. Normally, you okay. you would just wait as so long as possible because the idea is getting into the Roth is the, that's the goal,
1: right? That's what I'm saying. That's the objective. I don't understand why there'd be any dickering. Well, in between the conversion year and October 15th, I, why would you dicker? Uh, I like to say that
2: one. Right. Yeah. No. You, normally, normally you wouldn't. Why would you monkey around? Some people might <laughs> might, might want to monkey with it, but clearly, as that isn't how I like to. So that's position. not how
1: you like to roll. So I,
2: I don't like to do it that way. Okay. Um, and another thing, too, if you're, only, if you're yeah. converting 10000 bucks, and again, you're paying, say, 15% tax, and let's say that it goes down 20%, so down it's only worth $8,000, uh, you're talking about a difference of $2,000, and at 15% tax, it isn't a lot of money. It's $300. Yeah. So is it worth recharacterizing and losing the opportunity to convert in the calendar year for 300 bucks? Probably not.
1: No, and, you were saying that you'd really want to examine that on a on a case by case with what the person's tax tax rate is yeah and so somebody you you made a case that somebody in a very high tax rate gets, still may decide that it's it's uh, a good strategy to convert uh-huh. but at that point they are making a different decision on how far the market the the asset has to decline before it's worthwhile versus someone who is paying zero tax on the conversion <laughs> or right make kitties right any sense or uh Somebody who was uh, paying a very low tax bracket yeah um, I think we're really um, covered uh, it, it hopefully it helped those of you who are listening to kind of look at it this from all different ways to get to the crux of the issue, which is you can convert your roth um,
3: yeah, we plan roth. that
1: and do that around people 's income both now but really in their context of what will give them the greatest amount of wealth to distribute to themselves and to their heirs over their lifetime. Yeah, exactly. Subsequent, based on what we believe the best estimate of their future tax rates will be and their desire in different buckets that they're going to be able to pull from when they do retire.
2: Yeah, I think this strategy is really is underutilized partly because it is complex. It isn't like it's one size fits everybody. Um, and a lot of times folks are really focused on minimizing taxes in any one year or in this specific year, not thinking about it over the longer term. And then, which is exactly the, the perspective that that I take it as, as, as a financial planner or a financial advisor. How can we minimize taxes over your lifetime? Well, this right. is one of those ways to do it. It
1: would be our suggestion that you consult your tax professional and uh, your financial planner slash financial advisor who's capable of, of really running the analysis. And not just a very simple, right, point in time. Hey, I, this is... This in now, but somebody can really consider all the moving parts.
2: This is something that needs to be, if you're going to be doing this strategy, it has to be evaluated on a year-by-year basis.
1: Okay. Well, Ethan, I think we're almost out of time for this show, but I think it was well worth talking and touching on, particularly as the market has been very volatile Indeed. the last couple of years. There's opportunities to convert, but then recharacterize. Yep. Um, and take advantage. when the, When the market is handing you lemons, what do you do with them, Ethan? Well, I like lemonade. You make lemonade, right, (laughs) and throw in some ice cubes, uh, mix mix up a little cocktail. So next week we'll talk about uh, the investment uh, concepts, about why you shouldn't be loading up on Apple and Facebook and individual stocks like that, and uh, a few other topics. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you have a great week. And again, if you want to contact us throughout the week, 1-800-923-4307 is the office number here at Empirical. Thanks and have a great week.
0: you've enjoyed Empirical Investing Radio with Ken Smith and Ethan Broga. Please join us again next Thursday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And for more information about Empirical Investing Radio, please call 800-923-4307. We'll see you next week.